Hello everyone, Doug here from Nomad Athlete Radio. Today I am thrilled to share one of the exclusive interviews from the Plantapalooza Longevity Festival, taking place right now at lovecompliment.com. The festival features some of the biggest names in plant-based nutrition, fitness, and longevity, and it's absolutely free to participate. Plus, throughout the eight-day event, we are running our biggest sale on compliment products ever. Up to 51% off your favorite plant-based multivitamin, protein powder, greens powder, omega-3s, and more to support your long-term health, energy, and immunity. This sale is going to be bigger than Black Friday, so there has never been a better time to try our complement plant-based nutrients for the first time or to stock up for the next several months. Head over to lovecomplement.com to learn more. The sale and festival end November 1st at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern. All right, let's pass it over to Matt Tolman, who will host today's Plantapalooza interview. Compliment and plant-based news present Plantapalooza. Join me in welcoming our latest headliner to the stage, interviewed by Compliment co-founder Matt Tolman. Carly, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm so excited to dig into all things plant-based cooking and scrappy cooking, which we will get to. And for those who don't know, um, I will just briefly say that you are a New York Times bestselling author with multiple cookbooks and the founder of Plant You, which also has a meal planning app and all sorts of um, other resources for people who want to explore the world of cooking plants and a new upcoming title which you just announced um crappy cooking which we're going to talk a little bit about today yeah. so yeah. i'm so excited again. thank you for having me i'm honored to be a part of it well um with that uh i think um we should start at the 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 beginning to let uh folks get to know you a little bit and then we'll we'll work our way all the way down to um, through cooking plants to cooking the scraps uh, that come from cooking plants. And, and maybe that'll be a, a nice narrative. Um, but let's start just with how did you discover a, a plant-based diet? Because I think from our previous conversations, you're obviously very motivated by the environment. Um, I know you grew up with chickens and horses and kind of the, the, the animal side, but but it was also, I think, a little bit motivated by health. So is it all three or maybe just tell our story to, to let the audience get to know you a little bit? Yeah, I grew up on a complete standard American diet, meat and potatoes. I don't think growing up I ever had a fully vegan meal in my life. It always at least had some component of meat or dairy in it. And Growing up in Canada, actually, we had a food guide, which has since changed in my adulthood. But as a kid, it had its sections for like meat and dairy. So my parents were doing the best they, they thought. And uh, that, that was what I ate growing up. And it wasn't until 2015 when the World Health Organization came out with breaking news that red and processed meat were now classed as group two and group one carcinogens that a light bulb sort of went off in my head. And really it was driven because my dad uh, had colon cancer when I was 11, stage two colon cancer, had surgery, chemo, the whole bit. He's still here today. So uh, that's a spoiler alert. But he had just continued eating meat and dairy 
post this diagnosis, not knowing that these things could have very well contributed to the colon cancer. So when this news came out, it was very shocking because the government in Canada had been recommending that we eat these things and it was felt so contradictory. And then I always say that going plant-based is like opening Pandora's box because we started watching all of the documentaries, uh, Cowspiracy, Forks Over Knives, What the Health. And then I really started digging into the books. I loved um, How Not to Die by Michael Greger and Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Furman. And I was just so shocked at what I was reading because it was really so evident from a science perspective that a whole food plant-based diet was not only the most longevity promoting diet in the planet, also was the best for our environment and the animals. So I had no choice in my mind, but to make the shift to start eating plant-based, I just had no idea how to cook. So at the time when this was all happening, I was actually up in Northern Ontario. I was living on my own in a tiny, tiny bachelor apartment. And I was working as a radio host because my background's in journalism. So really I was digging into this, very excited about it because I very curious mind and kind of a journalism, look at things from a journalism perspective. And uh, I had to teach myself how to cook because to this point, I really wasn't a big vegetable eater, had only really eaten chicken, rice, green beans. And uh, I started documenting my journey and that's how Plant U was born. It was really out of this, um, this sharing of myself going plant-based and kind of became this thing outside of myself over the years, which which is incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's it is incredible, and it's so. I was like, I'm just pondering. You know, um, it, it is so surprising to hear because you would imagine, you know, you were a, a cook in a restaurant, right, or you had some other, you know, formal oh, training, no. <laughs> and uh, and it's the exact opposite. So what's interesting about that is that it's so relatable and exactly where I wanted to take this conversation because um, part of this summit, we've been hearing from doctors and from PhDs and from dietitians about the, the potent you know, uh, antidote to so many diseases, which is a plant-based diet, but you're really the practitioner in some ways. You're, you're the implementer. Right, because if you can't get the plants inside of you on a regular basis every single day, if you can't take the medicine, it doesn't really matter if you have the education. So I'm really excited to kind of delve into some of the tips and tricks to to make that journey more smooth for people. Um, what do you think? If uh, so, let's start with someone like you um, at that moment. Uh, if you've never been a, a chef, if you've never been a cook, if you've never been someone who felt at home in the kitchen, what are the few tips that you would encourage people to really start thinking about? So number one, the number one thing I tell people to do when they're thinking about going plant-based is to take an audit of what they typically eat in, in a week. So look at what you're eating for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Write it down if you have a healthy relationship with food. Write down what you're eating in a week and look at it. And the reason I'm telling people to do that is because I really think that, number one, 
when you go plant-based, you don't want to start from scratch overhauling your diet completely and trying all of these new crazy recipes you're not familiar with. I tell people to build on the food that they already love. So say you're somebody who loves to have cereal in the morning. Simple swap could be changing that dairy milk for a plant-based milk. You have coffee in the morning, changing out your creamer. Already your morning is now vegan or plant-based. Uh, dinner, if you're somebody who likes taco or pasta sauce with uh, ground meat, maybe you can try tofu or a ground um, soy substitute from the grocery store. So it's really important, in my opinion, to maintain familiarity in the diet so that you're excited about what you're eating, you feel comforted by it, and it's not such a shock. The other thing is to think about foods you grew up eating too. Like one, I think the first recipe that I ever veganized was my mom's bolognese pasta sauce. And it was like one of those meals that brought me such comfort when I was growing up. And that really was the catalyst that made me think, okay, I can actually do this once I was able to make something plant-based that was just as delicious, just as comforting as my mom's pasta sauce. It kind of translated over and um, got me motivated. That's awesome. Um, and for someone who maybe does cook, but it's largely a, a standard American diet, um, they struggled to figure out how to make plants taste good. Um, at least that's what I'm told. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, none of us eat raw. Well, actually, three years ago, none of us were eating raw meat, right? Some people are these days because there's like this yeah. crazy, there's a little bit of craziness. I can no longer say that. But by and large, you know, people cook meat products or, or whatever it might be and they season them right like most people aren't happy just eating your chicken breast just like steamed right like there's a processing but people become familiar with that and and grow up in that culture and know how to season it and then we're told them like hey here's a cucumber like make it taste good right <laughs> and it's like and and so they'll you know end up dipping it into some hopefully vegan dressing because like they don't know but, but obviously, some of the recipes you share show how to take cucumber, probably more like, like zucchini, and turning it into something that's really delectable. So if they're intimidated and maybe don't have your cookbook yet, like are there some spices, some, some manners of cooking things, some tips that you can share just broadly speaking to make plants taste good? Absolutely. So number one, it's kind of like just what you said, that um, if you are somebody who eats animal products right now, meat, you are not just going to throw a chicken breast on the grill and not add salt and pepper and not add like a steak spice or a barbecue sauce to make it taste delicious. So the same goes for plants. I remember when I first went plant-based and tried tofu, I was like, how does anybody eat this? Now tofu is my absolute favorite food. I probably eat it every day. And it's all about the seasonings. So kind of back to my point before is do you have a seasoning that you really like like maybe you really like a like a shawarma sauce or you really love um, the taste of barbecue you can emulate all of these flavors with spices and sauces and plant-based deliciousness because it is the plants that is making that meat really really palatable 
like think of ribs, for example, it's, it's the barbecue sauce, it's the char on the ribs that is making that so delicious. And these are things we can easily emulate with plants. One of my favorites is, um, I really love tempeh. Tempeh is a fermented soy product and it's excellent for you. It has, um, probiotics, it's delicious, uh, it's high in protein, com comparable in protein to your meat products. And if you uh, put that on a grill with some barbecue sauce, it is just so good, so good. I would challenge anybody yeah. to uh, put that up against like something like a rib. And I think they're, they're gonna be really satisfied. And the cool things that happens when you start, I always say again that um, when I first went plant-based, it was so overwhelming, but there are like, thousands and thousands of edible plants. But prior to that, people are like a plant-based diet is so restrictive. Prior to going plant-based, I felt like all I was eating was like chicken and beef, chicken and beef, chicken and beef, yeah. chicken wings, whatever. Then you go plant-based and it's suddenly like your whole world is opened up to all of these plants and it actually becomes more diverse what you eat and it becomes so fun to cook. I fell in love with cooking through plant-based eating. So yeah. hopefully that inspires somebody who's listening. If you've never cooked before, it can actually be a really adventure. And then finally, one thing I want to add is, um, so I went plant-based when I was in my early 20s. And I used to get really scared of cooking chicken prior to that, that I was going to get sick. Right. And then you go plant-based and like, really, you, I say to people, you can't screw it up. Like, unless you yeah. put something to a char, it is edible. You're not going to get sick and, um, and you can save it. Like if you, if you over season a soup or something, there's not meat in there. That's going to like, that's iffy, like you can save it. So the, the stakes are low. The food is delicious. You're going to feel great. It's a win, win, win. Yeah, that is uh, absolutely true. I think about that so much because while I didn't cook a lot for myself as a bachelor, it was pretty much, you know, like the typical barbecue, right? Like I, I knew how to grill things. I think I, I've been vegetarian since I was like 20. So even I know then, you forget. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like I, I think I did some fish, right? Like that was the most gourmet I could get. But um, anyway, um, point is that, you know, it is, it is sometimes I go and we'll be at a friend's house, right? It's like we bring our vegan foods and we see them like handling chicken or whatever. And, like they're touching all these things. And I'm like sitting there like rocking back yeah. and forth, like just <laughs> seeing the contamination spread and or like raw eggs, right? It's like I, I see... You know, like we'll we'll be at like my my in laws and they're like making eggs for for the other grandchildren or whatever. And it's like I see them like crack the eggs and use the same spoon and like put the spoon to the side and like the eggs are cooking. They still using the same spoon that they were turning the eggs before. And I'm like, shouldn't you like get a new spoon? Because like that's raw eggs and those are cooked anyway. So I'm I'm with you. It's really nice to just know like you can effectively you know not screw up, right? Like the worst thing that happens is that like the cauliflower is a little, a little, uh, um, crunchy still, yeah, right. Cause like you didn't cook it through. That. It's like, yeah. you know, a big deal, right? Like there's a little extra crunch. It's not, you know, the, the, the carrots are a little hard still. It's like, that's the, <laughs> that's the absolute worst thing that can happen to you. <laughs> exactly. You can really, I think it's such a gateway to fall in love with cooking. Plants are so yeah. delicious and they're, yeah. they really are what make meat delicious in my opinion. So and then yeah. the other thing I tell people too is that um, 
when you're going plant-based, like it can be very overwhelming to be like, okay, I'm going to be vegan now. Right. And I don't think it's necessary for everybody to become a hundred percent vegan. We can eat a plant predominant lifestyle without 100% eliminating animal products from our diet. And that could even look like for somebody um, making plants the star of your plate. So prioritize the vegetables and the grains and these delicious foods you're cooking and have a start reducing the amount of meat on your plate is a very good place to start. And also trying out vegan restaurants and really just expanding your culinary palate rather than going full in right away. And then one other thing I want to add is I think the number one thing a lot of people struggle with, they'll get motivated, right, to go plant-based and they have a why, they have a reason, but then they get derailed because they go to a birthday party or they go to their in-laws and they're, um, they don't want to say no. They don't want to not participate in a family thing. They don't want to not have turkey on Thanksgiving. And I always say to people, if that's the only thing keeping you from going 100% plant-based, then have the turkey at Thanksgiving and move on. It's it's about what we're doing 99.9% .9 of the time, not those one little bumps in the road that are making up for both a healthier diet for ourselves and the planet and the animals. Yeah. You know, I, I'll use the analogy to, uh, to alcohol um, because I think a lot of people are like, I don't ever want to drink, right? Like it's poison, it's a neurotoxin. We hear all these things, like nothing good comes from it, right? And it's like, but like we have this thing that goes off in our head that says, I could never imagine life without alcohol. Like, am I not going to drink champagne at the wedding? Like, am I not going to like have that like special glass of red wine if I go to a, a vineyard, right? And it's like, my philosophy is like, I don't think about all of that, like the future, right? Like, which doesn't exist, in a, you know, but not to get metaphysical, like all, all we can do is like the here and now, like, and so I just tell myself like, I'm just not going to drink today. Maybe I'll drink tomorrow. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's next month. Maybe I will at that wedding, right? The, the, the one wedding that you have in your mind, but it's like, but, but today I know I'll feel better going to bed and waking up tomorrow morning. If I don't drink, it's more aligned with my values and goals and all this stuff. And, and so like, I'm just not going to drink today. Whatever happens in the future happens in the future. I don't have to categorize myself as like being sober or now to extend the analogy, like, being vegan, right? Like, I, I don't, like, let's forget about that. It's just like, today I'm going to focus on eating as many whole plants as possible. And that's what I always encourage people who ask, like, I, I could never go plant-based. I just couldn't give up such and such, right? Or like, I couldn't bear my grandmother's face if I don't eat her special thing on Christmas, right? And it's like, okay, but don't worry about that. Just today, focus on like having oatmeal instead of the omelet for breakfast. And then have a giant salad, right, for lunch. And then, like, don't even think about dinner. Whatever happens during dinner, it's cool. Like, just focus on today. This meal, how many plants can you eat, right? Because, and then you go into, like, the rest of the pitch. It's great for your microbiome. The fiber is critical. You're cleaning out your cola. Like, all these different things, right? Um, which I just want to uh, uh, switch back to. The other piece that you mentioned, which is like, you know, people don't realize like, you know, how much our world revolves around like, okay, is it like a hamburger or a piece of fish, right? Like the healthy option is a piece of fish. The other option is like the hamburger. Like that's if you didn't go to an Italian restaurant, in which case it's like pasta, right? And it's like, and then 
I don't even remember. It's been so long, but like, what do you eat for lunch? Right. It's like probably leftovers from the night before or like a sandwich. Right. It's like, it's a very, very narrow spectrum of choices. Right. And then you like, look at the plant-based diet. It's like, you're, you're eating bacon made out of carrots. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, spaghetti squash, right? It's like your, your, your pasta is made out of, like we have a linguine made out of hearts of palm. I yeah. just found at the store. Like it's super strange. I haven't tried it yet. Can't endorse it. Like our pasta is made out of chickpeas, right? Like the meatloaf out of chickpeas. It, it's like the most diverse. It's like really fun to explore yeah. and to like expand your taste buds. So I just, I really wanted to emphasize that because you're, you're spot on that like, you know, some people say it's like deprivation, but it's like, Actually, no, you're removing like three things from your diet, right? Exactly. It's like red meat, white meat, uh, or say, let's call it like beef, chicken, pork, eggs, fish. So like remove five things. There's like literally everything from like, you know, potatoes, like dandelions, right? Like there's thousands of things that you can eat. And if you just remove these five, it opens up this whole world to you. So I really love that you, you brought us back to that. Yeah, and I want to touch on, you briefly mentioned the microbiome, and there was, I think it was last year or the year before, that big study that came out that said the ideal to, we all know the gut microbiome is so important to our overall health, and uh, it was saying that the ideal diet for the healthiest microbiome is to eat over 30 plants per week. And when I think when people hear that, they get very intimidated. But on a plant-based diet, you really do that without even trying because plants include your whole grains, your rice, your your pasta, if you're using like a chickpea pasta, even wheat. So it just automatically happens so easily because you end up just eating a way more diverse, um, diverse diet. And a couple of ways to even think about diversity of plants, because I really do think it's one of the keys to health and longevity, is to just have your core meals. So for example, every plant-based doctor I feel like I've ever talked to says they start their morning with oats. So oats, you could have oats every morning and you could add different seeds to your oats every morning. So you've got your hemp seeds, your flax seeds, your chia seeds. You can add different berries, different fruit to your uh, to your oats every morning and just mix it up like that. Maybe you have a stir fry or a curry a couple of days a week. Look, go to your grocery store and peruse the aisles and see what different vegetables you can integrate into that. And the the easier, I know we both just watched the Blue Zones documentary and they talk a lot about how for longevity, it's like making these things in your life that are healthy habits passive. And I think yeah. once you hit the ground running and really dial in those like core meals that you eat every week, because we, we are typically eating a curry every week, oats for breakfast, but it's just mixing them up. So the, the sooner you can dial those in and then just start integrating a diversity of plants, your health is just going to skyrocket. You'll feel so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll get back to our, our regularly scheduled programming, but as long as we're just riffing, I, I'll emphasize that um, uh, every single morning for me is either, it's generally a smoothie, but it's otherwise oatmeal. And for those who say like, uh, how boring, like, you know, just oh, oh, to be so delicious. Well, not only that, but like, you know, like anything else, right. It's all about what you add to them. And maybe you can expand on this with different ideas, but, but for me, it's like, you know, you can have one day that's got, uh, blueberries and, and raspberries and oatmeal. And like, that's a very specific flavor 
profile and like the next day you can go to like i don't know just to make it up like more of a pineapple tri a tropical feel and then like the other end of the spectrum is like put some some cacao or even like um uh there's like dark dark chocolate um uh chocolate chips which like my yeah. kids obviously love and like you know or or almond butters right sunflower butter like all these different so you can go anywhere from the spectrum of like fruity tropical all the way to like pretty decadent like fatty tasting you know buttery you know um so i just can't and same goes for smoothies right so if like you think about a week being seven days you know you can have a couple days of a blueberry type oatmeal a couple of days of like an almond butter oatmeal and then the same goes with sm smoothies right like you can have a banana peanut butter smoothie versus like you know the um uh like i say more tropical vanilla -y, you know uh green smoothie so um there really is a lot of diversity and that's just within like two things that you can get really good at right oatmeal and smoothies get really good at that and like your morning is set smoothies i'm obsessed with and I was so intimidated by green smoothies, but I wanted to be somebody who loved green smoothies when I first went plant-based because I feel like it's the, it's like the mecca of health. Like it just looks so healthy and feels so healthy when you drink a green smoothie. But I was so shocked. I remember when I put spinach in my smoothie one day and I started with just a bit and I'm like, I'm so afraid to drink this. It feels wrong. You cannot taste it. So you can yeah. literally add... Um, a salad worth of greens, like a uh, like spinach, which is so neutral tasting, and especially if you add berries, you can't even see it. Great for kids too, because you can you can get a lot of greens in there, and uh, it tastes amazing. My new favorite though is I love kale, ginger, orange smoothie. So good, it tastes. Yeah. I love ginger in smoothies lately. It tastes so good. Yeah. And I, I could talk I, about food all day. As you can. Well, good, because we, we've got some more time to fill. Um, but just emphasize, obviously, ginger, like they, I mean, they constantly come out with new studies that show the incredible um, uh, impact of ginger on all sorts of things. Um, but again, people get like intimidated. And so just to say, like, I will snap off a piece of, like, you can get ginger root. I mean, I, yeah. I'm like, yay big, right? And, like, just snap off, like, pretty much the size of my thumb, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, wash underwater and toss it in. And granted, the size of my thumb is appropriate for, like, a 40 to 60-ounce smoothie. Like, so yeah. what I usually nurse, like, throughout the day. Um, if you put that much ginger into like an eight ounce smoothie, it's going to be a little spicy. It'll so burn this, on the way down. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair warning, but you're absolutely right. You can put, I mean, like I put Swiss chard, right? Like some sometimes very uh, tasty, but but strong taste type of greens. And if you put some pineapple and ginger in there, like you're getting, I mean, just an amazing array of phytochemicals and, and fiber and water. And just, it's an amazing way to start the day. So smoothies, it's good. You like everybody else is a fan. Um, my favorite. So um, before we get over to scrappy cooking, um, what's your favorite meal? Um, oh. And what's your favorite easy meal? Because if people haven't picked up on the theme here, like I hope everyone will go Google plant you, find your cookbooks, find oh your YouTube God. channel, most of all, um, because that's a great way to like, I mean, 
there are some people like my wife who can go to like the New York Times cooking app, right? And find like some beef stroganoff stew, pasta, whatever, and be like, oh, okay, like I'll just swap this in, swap that out, like veganize it, like bam. But like for someone who's easing into the lifestyle, like finding a channel like yours and just watching how you go through and, and cook these amazing meals is just so useful. So I hope people will check that out. And when they do, do you have a favorite recipe that they should absolutely check out? Yeah, I have lots. Um, you got to pick one favorite. or two. Two. Okay. We'll give you so two. favorite that I always tell people to make is the bolognese pasta from the Plant You Cookbook. So my first cookbook. And the reason being that it's just so good and it's so versatile. So basically what you do is you can use a store-bought pasta sauce, you can make your own, but you throw vegetables into a food processor. So anything you have, so mushrooms, bell peppers, spinach, onion, I often put extra firm tofu, throw it in the food processor, ground it, and then add it to a pan with like balsamic vinegar, nutritional yeast, lots of spices, and then you add your pasta sauce and it makes the most beautiful, like thick, bolognese pasta sauce we make that all the time and it's great for when you're at the end of the week and you are like okay I have all these vegetables that I didn't use up throw them in and you've got like a very fibrous delicious meal so that's number one my favorite food on the planet is like a Thai red curry and uh my husband and I went to Thailand years ago in 2016 I want to say so right after I'd gone plant-based and I was very worried about traveling and being plant-based and um tried Thai red curry for the first time and I was like this is the best thing I've ever had in my life and we took a cooking class there in Thailand and I learned how to make it so I make it all the time. I have a, again, in my first cookbook, a Thai red curry. And my second one, I have a peanut butter Thai red curry. Cause that's like amazing. And again, you can put any vegetables you want in it. I usually go for bell peppers, carrots, bamboo shoots are delicious. Uh, bok choy, peas. So You've, good. I had to make a note to look up the bolognese, but I'll just, uh, yeah, it's quickly, good. um, do you do you leave it kind of like uh, when you say food processor? Are oh, yeah. you you're you're bringing that down to like a smooth uh, no, texture or so just like, like choppy, like chopped? So really yeah, yeah, yeah. chopped. And I've even tried it with um, with like carrot and celery, so you can make like a more traditional kind of ragu. But usually, what I'm putting in there is garlic, onion. Like it's just quick in the food processor. It like chops it up. Tons of mushrooms. And I'm not like the number one mushroom fan, but you can't detect the mushrooms once they're kind of like ground up really small. And um, spinach, if you grind it up, it's so good. Tofu, I would recommend. That's like an addition that's not in the cookbook, but that we do because I'm always trying to increase the amount of protein in the meals when I can. Um, but yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, that makes sense because a bolognese, you'd want it a little bit choppier, yeah. like the... The, the meat yeah. substitute. Um, you could chop the, it. You don't have a food processor. You could just chop everything really fine. It's just going right. to be I'm consuming. <laughs> but I was going to say, one of the things that um, we do, which is a great way, especially because we have kids, to sneak in a bunch of nutrients is um, uh, essentially throw any fruit or ve not fruit, any vegetable into a, like a high-powered blender 
with your red sauce. So you can buy a store-bought red sauce and then throw like two heads of cauliflower and like two bushels of whatever greens and a bunch of carrots and then blend that up. And so you get this sauce just because we usually do like a ton of carrots um, and it's like the most nutrient dense red sauce ever. And in yeah, fact, it looks, so it, it looks mostly orange. Like it's this vibrant, bright orange. And then pour that on your pasta and like, guess what? Like you, you don't have to get the kids to eat vegetables because like it is just packed in there. And then adding tofu is a great idea. I don't think we've done that, but we're always trying to- You need to try it in your life because yeah. it's so- it's so like ground beef, um, be, especially when you season it a lot. Like if you add like, right. a, I like to add like balsamic nutritional yeast. I love, I'm obsessed with nutritional yeast. Nutritional yeast has like your B12 and it also has protein in it. So. Yeah. The uh, tempeh though, I'll, I'll just so good. Du double click on that, so to speak, because you, you brought it up earlier and I wanted to throw my weight behind it too. Because like you say, it is, it is fermented. So it's got a really healthy probiotic feel to it but it's also got a very meaty texture i mean it's it's about as low process as you can get i mean it's the processing is like the same as they've been doing in japan for like 1500 years so i'm a huge huge fan like you say it is probably pound for pound the most protein dense uh plant food that i've found so big fan of of uh tempeh um let's talk about scrappy yeah. cooking um, the, the subject of your upcoming book, which you just shared with me. So that's why it's on my mind. I'm super excited because this was something I remember when you and I first met and I, um, turned to my wife onto you and she became obsessed with your Instagram for a, a period of time. Um, I think she still is, but she was like really obsessed for a period of time. I, I shared with you. Um, and, uh, and it was um, a lot of which was because of these like incredible, uh, innovative recipes. Um, but let me stop there because you'll do a better job. What What is scrappy cooking? Yes. So scrappy cooking was born very organically. And it's basically the concept of low waste cooking. So uh, this series started because one time in my kitchen, as a food blogger, I buy a lot of groceries. Groceries are very expensive. I'm very mindful of waste because a lot of people don't know this, but our food waste is a huge contributor of methane gas in landfills. It builds up and emits methane gas, which is not a good thing for global warming. And in our homes, like once food comes out of like from the farming, once it, th that food loss is done and it, it makes its way into our system, the number one way that food is then wasted is actually within the home. And it's for a few different reasons. Um, one of them being that we're very wary as um, North Americans about uh, best before dates. And number two, we just buy a lot of groceries in this day and age as a materialistic society that's very busy. Uh, we buy a lot of groceries without a plan. So I always tell people to meal plan. But anyways, I threw up this orange peel candy recipe one day on Instagram. And I kind of like walked away from my phone, came back to it and people had gone nuts. The video had like a million views in an hour. I was like, what is happening? 
And so I just rolled with it and called it scrappy cooking. And it's basically these videos where I take commonly wasted foods and transform them into delicious recipes. And it then became the concept of my new book, which is out in April, Earth Month, uh, called Plant You Scrappy Cooking. So we take anything from radish tops and turn them into pesto to broccoli stems and slice them up and put them into summer rolls. But really what the concept of the book is, is actually what we've talked a lot about in this, uh, in this interview is that it's meant to arm people with recipes that they can look in their fridge and see what vegetables, what fruit they have on hand and interchange them into recipes. So we've got you covered for like the really scrappy stuff, like banana peel bacon, but more so they're really staple recipes. So if people loved the first plant you, I really think that they're going to love this book because they're staples that I hope people can utilize in their home and just use what they have on hand. Cause it's really important to me that, uh, for our pocketbooks, for our planet and for ourselves that we reduce our waste. That's awesome. And I don't think I'd seen the orange peel candy, but now that you've it was number it. one. So it's a little, the video is not super, the best, but people. Yeah, like, I'm going to go back and find it. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, I am curious. I don't want to go too far off uh, in that area because I want to just spend a, a little bit more time before we have to wrap up on um, scrappy cooking. But when you talk about food waste and best buy dates, which I'm, I'm, I get it, right? Like my wife's oh, been course. pregnant for like five years. And so like, I am always maniacal because like you get it in your head that like, you know, you're going to be sick or whatever. And like, um, but as we said, it's not exactly like raw chicken, you know, yes. so it's, like, it's a little bit different. Um, but, uh, uh, and by the way, like I'm fairly certain there's no such thing as a best buy date for whole foods. So as long as you stick to buying like bushes of broccoli and cauliflower and everything else, like you're pretty much good, right? Like that stuff. Yeah, I think I think when it goes bad. I don't want to encourage people uh, encourage people to eat food that has spoiled. That's for sure. But I think we can when we're eating plants. I I would definitely follow the best before dates for animal products. But when we're eating plants, it, you can really tell if something is not good. It's um it's got mold <laughs> or spoilage. It smells bad. If these things, if there's no evidence that the food is not good and it's a whole food, like you said, like a broccoli, um, have adder. And I think the biggest thing is it's not only best before dates, but I think as a society, we're so busy. We're so go, go, go. And we run into the grocery store maybe on Sunday or Monday after work. Um, and we're like grabbing things off the shelf and we get home and there's no plan. So I think the number one way to start reducing waste in your own home. And remember, this is not just for the planet. You're going to save a lot of money. You can reduce really your grocery bill by half if you're really mindful about the food that you're buying and then eating. Um, meal planning. So I'm not saying that you need to go and get um, our meal planners that we have or, or a cookbook or anything like that. This can be as simple as the notes app on your phone, writing down, what am I going to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner this week? What am I thinking for snacks? And then kind of making a corresponding grocery list. This can really take like 10 minutes and it's going to also save you time during the week and really save your budget and the groceries that you buy. So planning is really my number one thing when I tell people 
about reducing waste. Yeah. In composting, you can compost. A lot of um, my city has like a green bin program where they pick up waste every week and they they compost it. So say just a little bit more um, about how you meal plan. Like what's that look like? <laughs> Sunday, Sunday night, your notes app you just mentioned. Obviously you have the plan to you meal planner app. Um, but for someone who maybe wants to go low tech, um, because uh, that's always the easiest place to start. You know, I, I feel like a lot of us, you know, we want to change our life. So we download the apps and we we buy the yoga pants and like we do all of this stuff. It's like, you should just start walking. Just like go yes. walk, right? It's like, just make it as simple as possible to start because otherwise, you know, you, there's too much friction. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you approach and what advice, you know, uh, more so than you just shared, um, because I, I totally agree with you. And it's something that we can certainly do better on uh, in my home. Everybody can. I mean, I, I am no saint. Like I'm a food blogger. I'm making recipes every day. And um, there's definitely some wastage. I just try to be mindful as I can about it. I think the big thing is like paper to pen. Grab a, grab a piece of paper. Um, do like a little grid. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Maybe you don't even need breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. Um, okay, I'm going to have pasta this night. I'm going to have um, tacos this night. Okay, so I need um, this many things of tofu, this, 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 and this. And even if you don't like stick to the grid, I think you're going to be way better off than if you just head to the grocery store without a plan. The planning is just number one. And honestly, the simpler, the better. That's how I do it these days. I'm I'm in a bit of a unique scenario where I'm constantly testing recipes and filming recipes. So it's probably a greater pace of cooking than what somebody is normally at. But I am often pen to paper or like on my iPhone notes app. Okay, I want to make like fresh spring rolls this week or I need to pick up that granola. And uh, yeah, grocery, I even find grocery delivery can be handy for um, reducing waste because when you're not in the grocery store and yeah. you're not looking around and like, Ooh, I want that. Um, you can be like very particular and mindful about what you're planning. And then one tip I have, if you're ordering groceries on say like an Instacart is you can actually just, um, pass them a note and tell them not to put like the groceries in the little plastic bags, because at the end of the day, when it comes to your house, you're going to wash. I hope you're going to wash your groceries and your fresh produce anyways. So it doesn't matter whether it's touched the cart. It's already been on a truck. You you should be washing your food. So eliminate the bags. And uh, that's one way that I find really helpful is grocery delivery. Yeah, I totally agree with that, by the way. I am. Um, it doesn't help if you have kids in the grocery because like I can imagine just, like, yeah. reaching for anything that they can. And all the packaging is designed to appeal. So it's like these bright colors. And I'm like, you don't even know what is in that bag. Like, no, we can't get, you know, it's like croutons. Like we don't need those croutons, right? It's like we don't need gluten. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, you're much more targeted if you are just, you make your list, you go on. And also I will add um, to make it easier, like you can be adding to the app. So we, we use Instacart, um, and uh, and and so if you run out of anything from soap to avocados or bananas, like these staples that you just always want to have on hand, like you can just open the app and add to it, yeah, right? With, and like as a family, right? 
because my husband right and so now. yeah yeah so then comes wednesday or friday or sunday whenever you order like you've already got all those things you don't forget anything you know and if you have those staples like we just always you know again oatmeal every morning for my kids and it's like if we didn't have you know almond butter although i will say um another cheat uh probably not the most environmentally friendly but um we have found uh peanut butter and almond butters that use olive oil instead of palm oil oh Amazon. really yes yeah, well palm oil um i've heard is not the best thing for the environment so it's probably more right. environmentally friendly with the almond damn damned if you do damned if you don't but yeah. certainly I'd, I'd rather i'd rather my kids eat um olive oil and and it's also we we don't live in the most um you know we don't have like a whole foods or any sort of uh, uh access it's a very standard supermarket so not a lot of unfortunately not a lot of the organic options and like super cool vegan stuff that i wish so so going online and finding those things but but again just to emphasize like meal planning you know, um, we use our calendar, like as a family, we have our oh, yeah, it's um, great. I childcare schedule. And then so that way, like, you know, we just, we look ahead and we kind of see the week and it's like, okay, what? And then we do a lot of leftovers. Like every, we like, we don't have a lunch category because lunch is whatever we had the yeah, night before. People. And yeah. Yeah. And we have a house of seven. So we have like industrial size, um, uh, uh, um pots and pans right so it's like we just you know and and so it's like instead of three boxes of of um pasta you know it's like four or five because like we know you know half of it's going to be eaten the next day for lunch um and it just takes a lot of stress out of the week but like i say planning for for sunday you're looking at like the nanny's schedule like the school schedule your schedule and then like just carving out like five o'clock every day I have sort of the, the, the family's meal um, planned out. Then you triangulate that with your your uh, grocery order and you know the rest is just execution, which we can look to plant you uh, cookbooks and YouTube channel to help. <laughs> there you go, nice, nice little tie back. One thing, yeah. one thing I'll mention uh, before we wrap up too is uh, I think food storage is really important too. So when you do get these things back, um, you want to keep like leafy greens dry. So like wrapping them in a clean, washing and wrapping in a clean cloth can really keep them for a long time. Berries in a sealed container, things like potatoes in a cool area like a cellar. Um, these are very Googleable things or uh, it, they're in, I have a whole list of how to store your produce in my a new book but it's important to get the longest lifespan out of the vegetables and a lot more things can be frozen than you think um yeah. sometimes we'll throw like a whole if we didn't get to it like a box of spinach into the freezer and then use that for smoothies especially if you're a big smoothie yeah. drinker which we both know we are so yeah exactly and i'll just add one thing which is um don't wash the vegetables uh until yeah. you have because they'll start to degrade faster and it's really important i'm glad you ended on that because i recently saw something that showed you know we don't really appreciate the fact that like the journey that fresh fruits foods go on from like the time they're picked in guatemala 
you know, and put into a plastic container and put onto a ship or put onto a truck and then they get here and then put on a different truck and then the last mile truck and then they go into the store and it's like, it's like 50% of nutrients, you know, have already degraded by the time it gets to the store. And then like, it's another 25 or so before you eat it. So it's, it's really important to, to consider those things and try to keep your, your food fresh, not to mention that it'll reduce waste. Um, one last question out of curiosity, because um, we've covered a lot of ground and I'm super excited because I think this is really practical tips, but um, I, uh, so this is funny, my, my dad had some, he always told this story, so that's the only reason I remember it, but he had some tooth issue when he was younger, 20s maybe, and he went to the dentist and the dentist said, chew on the um, rind of a uh, orange, um every day just chew on it as many times as you can a day and like within a week or two it went away i have no idea like this could have be totally you know a, a story that has evolved over the years and untrue and um <laughs> certainly not suggesting that if you have a you know impacted molar that like you just said chewing on orange rinds but there is a lot to say about like the skin of potatoes is like where 90% of the nutrients yeah. lie and like the skin of the apple, right? So like, I'm just curious, can you speak to when you think about the scrappy side, yeah. like is there, is there something to this, this idea? There is. So it's so funny because every time I grew up eating potato skins, like my parents would always be like, that's the part that's the healthiest. Um, and it's every time I post a recipe with potato skins online, people go crazy. Like you didn't remove the skins. Um, I think we over peel everything, like especially even something like butternut squash. Um, when you like roast that in the oven and make a soup, like the skin can go right in. It's, it's going to be fine. And oftentimes these things are more nutrient dense than the thing inside of it. So a good example is even broccoli stems. So broccoli stems are so delicious. And I think they contain more sulforaphane. I probably butchered the pronunciation of that than the um, cruciferous flower itself. And it's so funny because oftentimes we're paying for something like broccoli by weight at the grocery store. So then you're taking it home and the stem, you're throwing out half the broccoli. So you can peel that and eat that. And um, again, a quick Google search will tell you whether something's edible. Beet leaves are amazing. Radish leaves are amazing. They're so good for you. So nutrient dense. Obviously we want to buy mindful always about, um, about pesticides if we're eating something like say an orange skin if you can buy organic if you're planning to consume the skin that that's always ideal and giving it a good scrub but i'm a big fan of um obviously eating the scraps that's awesome such a perfect way to end um carly thank you so much for the time this is a really fun conversation and you've definitely inspired me to get into the kitchen i may even start a youtube channel because do it it sounds like it's the way to go. It's um, so no. fun. We've, I've been telling my wife that I, I want to help more in the kitchen. I mean, it's all I think about is nutrition. It's all I talk about all day. But I, frankly, Adriana says like, well, that's fine, but you have to cook things that taste good, which is my limit, right? Like I'm not really good at cooking things that taste good. I can cook things, but it's like, you know, I'll pour beans and like tempeh in a pot and then like put hot sauce on it. And I'm like, I'm good, right? It's like, 
and that doesn't work for the family. So I gotta, I gotta watch more of your videos and learn. Um, but I'm so glad to have you as the curator of this journey. This was a blast. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing some cooking videos from you. And I think it'd be fun for your family to, to be in them too. <laughs> so you, you, you should look forward to it because it's going to be more of a comedy than a self-help. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thank thanks so much, so much for having me. Have a great day.